If you guys can, uh, please join me in the book of Romans. We're going to continue our series. Romans uh, chapter 8 is where we'll be. As you can see, we're in the overall arching series where it says righteousness revealed. That is us as we walk through the book of Romans verse by verse. And uh, we're going to be walking through, as you can see, um, just kind of like a, a point of reference for you. The first seven chapters of the book of Romans was really, really uh, great because all we did was talk about condemnation. And so now, finally, Paul, thank you, chapter 8. Uh, we're going to be talking about walking in victory, but not just in victory through salvation, but everyday victory. Victory through the Spirit. The, the title of this particular uh, service is Alive in the Spirit. Last week we talked about dead to sin, alive in Christ, where we're going to continue that by saying continuing by being alive in the Spirit. And uh, we just want to see how God has a plan to carry us in triumph um, even, if we, even if we fall. Say we stumble. Say we're a Christian and we're doing pretty good, but what if we fall? What if we stumble? What if we make a mistake? Well, God still has a plan. I want to let you know there's a little bit of a difference, and we'll walk as you're turning there to that verse. We're going to be through the first 17 verses. The difference between uh, chapter 7 and chapter 8 is very stark because you can see, um, I don't know if you remember what Paul was saying about himself as a man struggling in his sin. It sounded very much like a man that was defeated. He was still calling out on the Lord. He was still leaning on the Lord, but he was very much defeated. Now you're going to walk into um, Romans chapter 8, which, by the way, is like the, the greatest chapter in the greatest book of all of the Bible. It's, it's the culmination of the success of Jesus Christ on the cross, in the tomb, resurrected, and now living in you. And chapter 8 is kind of like the declaration of independence for an American. That's what chapter 8 is for a Christian. It just it shows you where we're going. So uh, you definitely saw a man that was in despair, but in chapter 8, you see a man that is now in hope. He even, uh, I don't know if you remember, he described himself at the very end of chapter 7. He said, oh, you wretched man. That's what he was calling himself as a sinner. Very unhappy, but you're going to see a man that moves into chapter 8 can barely contain the praise and worship in his lips. And so you can see that God definitely doesn't want you to live out chapter 7. God's plan for you is chapter 8. And uh, the way that that changes is when your life is saturated by the power and the atmosphere and the presence of the Holy Spirit being in your life constantly. That's the word, constantly. You can also some uh, vocabulary changes that happen out through chapter 7. In chapter 7, there's a lot of I's, the letter I. It's this one tiny, small word, right, the letter I. Paul does a lot of I all the way through chapter 7. About 25 times he says the letter I, but you'll notice in chapter 8, the letter I disappears, and it becomes all about the Spirit, and I find that fascinating. In fact, even the first four verses talk about the law, and then that law dissipates, and all we end up talking about is the Spirit through chapter 8. And you can see that the law disappears because success doesn't come from the law. Success comes from living by the Spirit. And so what we're going to do is be talking about how do we find victory by leaving the I behind and just, you know, just leaning into the Holy Spirit and saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want? Giving ourselves over to the Holy Spirit. I heard this quote um, from somebody. Uh, this is, I, I love reading like these old articles from like back in the 1800s, like when, when, you know, pastors and preachers were on horseback and going from town to town. And there was this great article and the, the quote was, um, the Bible is a ring. Think of like a ring, like especially on somebody's finger, like a lady's finger for an engagement ring. If the Bible is a ring and everything that is great, uh, it comes together at that gemstone that's at the top, that's the book of Romans. 
And then the sparkle that's inside of the gemstone is Jesus Christ. And so I love that because that's what we're talking about. The victory comes when we are in Jesus Christ and Christ Jesus is in us. And so that's why we don't need to necessarily follow the law uh, in that particular way. We're not trying to please the Lord by the law. We're trying to please the Lord by relationship. The law is just the sprinkle on the ice cream cone. The, the, the law becomes a part of us because we want to please the Lord. We want to obey God out of love. We don't want to have God love us because we obey. There's a difference in that kind of relationship. But see, that's the difficult part. Chapter 7 is kind of showing us that we were born into sin. We inherited a faulty genetic code from Adam and Eve because when they fell, all of their children were now born into sin. So here we are, a bunch of people that by our souls want to please the Lord desperately, but our flesh constantly fails us. If anybody has ever uh, felt that as a person, like, I really want to be a great Christian. I just don't always have a great report card. Now's your time to say amen. Because the Lord is going to speak into you and say this, how are we going to do this? How do we get to that place? Well, there's a lot of practical steps in chapter 8. But more importantly, the word switches from how to who. Who is going to help me live this life? And the answer is something more powerful than myself or you because we are just flesh and blood. The answer is the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, if you look at the, uh, the top of your Bibles, if they have those little chapter headings that they like to put in there, I like those because copyists put those in there. That's not actually in the Bible, but it gives me direction. Some of the copyists put in there, life through the Spirit. Just life. All life. Good life, bad life, sinful life, not so sinful life, all lived through the Spirit. And another one said, life-giving Spirit. And I love that. So join me in verse 1 of chapter 8. It says, therefore, no condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus, because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. That's the way you start a chapter, right? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? There was a huge reminder to the person that's reading this is that we just read in chapter 7, I am a wretched man, I am a sinner, but take this wretched man, take the sinner, and drop him into the life of Jesus Christ. And what does he experience? No condemnation. If you're in this room and you are struggling with sin and you have a situation that you are dealing with and you feel less than as a Christian and you're like, I don't know, Jesus, maybe I'm not worth it, understand that that's a lie from Satan where he would say to you, no, Jesus would be wasting his time on you. Jesus went all the way from heaven to the cross for you specifically. How dare we belittle the work of Jesus Christ on the cross when he came to us, which is why the Holy Spirit wants to free me this way. He reminds me that I am free from condemnation of my sin. Doesn't that change everything when the weight of your sin slides off of your back and onto the cross and you realize where it belongs? You cannot contend with the weight of your sin. You cannot make amends. You cannot do enough good things. Chapters 1 through 7 was the entire condemnation of our sin. Now, chapter 8, what is God dealing? He's moving past condemnation. Why? Because there is no condemnation. And where's he moving? Let's deal with your compulsion to sin. I want to move past condemnation, and now I want to stop you from even desiring to sin. And how are we going to do that? By living in the Spirit. When you go through the Bible and you read the Bible, there's some powerful moments that you can find. And the powerful moments that you can find in chapter 8 are these little teeny tiny words, like in. Look at the way we just read. Therefore, no condemnation now exists for those 
in Christ Jesus. So that means there's a lot of people in the world who know that they're a sinner that have no hope because they are not in Christ Jesus. Because look at verse two, because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. Now Paul switches it over to the law of Moses and says, there was a force, there was a, there was a force that drove you because you were trying to please God by the law. You were trying to check off boxes. And you know what you tried to do? As the more you tried to be good, you found out you weren't really good. I'm trying to be good. I don't got a lot of gas in the tank for good on my own. And that's why he says, look at that law, that, that, that power. You think about it this way. The way that he's describing that, that, that law, look at verse two, he says, because the Spirit's law it's more like a power, not the law like a law of the land. Think of like the law of gravity. No matter how we feel about it, the law of gravity is going to drag us back down, right? As high as I think I can jump, I'm 5'9". I look at that hoop, I go, I can do what LeBron does. Law of gravity says otherwise, right? Why? Because the law of gravity is the force and power by which I live by, and I cannot break that. And so you have to think about this. When the law of the spirit of life comes to you and pulls you into the law of grace, pulls you into the law of forgiveness. How powerful is the law of the Spirit? Let's change it to these words. How powerful is the power of the Spirit? I love how the NLT says the same exact verse, Romans 8.2. We'll put it on the screen. Look how it says. And because you belong to him, isn't that a great verse that does open up? Because you belong to the Holy Spirit, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Just, just take a moment and think about what we just read, and I want you to just focus on me just for one second. Think about this. The power of gravity is really powerful, right? Like you can't get away from the earth because we're spinning, and the earth is holding us in place. Gravity is holding us in place. But I love, I don't know if you've ever seen like in the old Batman movies, one of the ways Batman would get out of a you know, situation or grab a bad guy, he'd, there'd always be a crane with a magnet, right? And he would capture the bad guy in his car, in his car by the magnet. Now, gravity's holding that car there, but then what does the magnet do? Its power supersedes the power of gravity and drags it right up. And then, you know, Batman says something really corny and then he captures him, right? And you're like, wow, that's so crazy. Think about this. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You are stuck up in the law of sin. You're stuck up in the death of sin. And then the Holy Spirit and his life-giving power comes and drags you right out of it. Now, the interesting part about that is that no part was that your power. It was the power that was apart from you that came from heaven to rescue you. Supernatural power that had to come into your life. And so you have to ask yourself today, what is powering your life? Are you powering your life? Or is the Holy Spirit powering your life? Let me just put it in this way. Let's put it in terms of relationship. Are you doing supernatural life by yourself? Or are you doing it side by side with the Holy Spirit? It's a very important question because the Lord is going to come to you and say, I'm not looking for perfect people. I'm looking for people who are ready to receive the power of the Holy Spirit to guide them in a walk from here to heaven. So you have to see, say to yourself, am I seeking God in all things? Now, here's a big challenge for you. And I, just, I know this is going to get kind of a little bit weird and awkward for a second, but I want you to hear this. Do you invite Jesus and do you invite the Holy Spirit, the person, the third person of the Trinity, into all things in your life? Let's put it in this perspective. Temptation, sin, and conquering. Do you invite him into that space? Because that's what we're talking about through chapters 1 and 7. So how do I overcome my flesh by the Spirit? How do I do that? What's the practical way? Well, by focusing on the Spirit. Let me, let me give you 
a thing that will challenge you in, in your walk. You know, initially when I sin, my first impulse is to run away. Maybe run away from myself, but definitely run away from God. God, how dare I treat you like that? I do feel, I feel like ashamed of what I've done. And I just ask you this question, why not bring that moment to the Holy Spirit? What do you think the Holy Spirit's going to do? Get away from me? Or is he going to work where he's always been working since the moment he found you in your sinful state and then offered you Jesus Christ and pulled you into a life of grace? So you just ask yourself, I'm sitting there. This is a long time ago. I remember doing this moment where I was, I was sitting down. I was looking at the computer, and I was really, really tempted to look at something that I shouldn't be looking at. And I just was like, wouldn't it be weird if I just turned and looked at the Holy Spirit and said, what should I do? And the Holy Spirit was like, exactly. Why don't you ask me what you should do? And I said, okay, Holy Spirit, what should I do? Holy Spirit says, turn off the computer. You're not strong enough. I said, okay. Boom, turn off the computer. He goes, go for a walk and cool off. Okay. And then I get outside and walk and the Holy Spirit said, isn't this great? We're not sinning. And I said, whoa, this is great. And he's like, because you listened to me for the first time in your life. The focus on the Spirit should be in all aspects of our life. So I'm going to challenge you. If you are in this room and you are struggling with a sin, why not bring it to the power that overcomes sin? Why, not be, uh, a, why be ashamed for the thing that Jesus Christ already bore on the cross for you? We, we, we are so silly in this particular way that we come to the Holy Spirit and say, I couldn't do it. And the Holy Spirit goes, you don't understand. I'm trying to show you that you are dead to the law. You are dead to the sin, but you are alive to me, listening to me, being guided by me. I love this quote. Life is what you are alive to. Are you alive to the Spirit? Look at that little, tiny little word. Are you alive to the Spirit? Doesn't mean you're perfect. Doesn't mean you don't even know how to listen properly all the time. Holy Spirit, what should I do next? I'm sitting here. I just sinned. What should I do next? Well, look what the verse 3 says. The Lord is going to show us what the law could not do since it was limited by the flesh. God did. The Holy Spirit's going to tell you, Holy Spirit, I'm dealing with something. What should I do? He's going to say, let go and let God. Don't you understand that your performance and the law itself is just a thermometer? It's not the thermostat. You know who the thermostat is when you give him power? Jesus Christ. Let him set the temperature of your life. Let him tell you what to be hot on and what to be cold on, right? And so in my flesh and its weakened ability tries to correct itself but can't, so I get frustrated. And so the Lord comes into my life. And he says, let me, I, I told this uh, to our, our midweek Bible study, so, but, so if they're in this room, you're going to have to listen to it again. Um, one of my um, least favorite moments and favorite moments of my life is when I'm trying to accomplish something electronically because I think I'm the electronic whiz in the house because I have a background in that. And um, I'll be fidgeting with a remote or an electronic or a computer or something. And um, I love my wife because she, she has like a timer that goes off her head, like he's taking too long. And then all of a sudden, she doesn't really say much, but I just see these hands come into the situation, and I'm like, whoa, 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 uh, excuse me, I'm the whiz. And she goes, have you tried taking the batteries out and put them? I'm like, whoa, whoa, I've already done that. Have you tried rebooting? I'm like, listen, I did this on my own. I can do this. I don't need your help. Thank you. But then, gosh darn it, if not 10 seconds later, I don't know what she jiggles or whatever, she gets it working. And I go, that's why I didn't want you to do it. Because if you did it, then I would have to live with the fact that with your limited knowledge, you fixed it. And I couldn't fix it. And now I'm frustrated at myself, even though you got the TV working, right? And so, like, it's a situation that's all caught up in my flesh. 
And sometimes I think what we do is when we get struggled in this situation is we're afraid for the Lord to come into our life and to do the work because he's going to confront our failure. He's going to show us, look, you made a big, you made a mountain out of a molehill or you got all caught up in fear and anxiety and you didn't bring it to me. But the Lord is saying, but I just look at the end of verse three, what we couldn't do, God can, God did. And so that's what he's saying. What we can't do, Jesus came because we couldn't do it. So that brings us to another point. The secret to Christian living is to realize what you are dead to and what you are alive to. And you know what we are alive to in this room today? Letting the Lord do amazing, supernatural, miracle works in our life by stepping us away from our old life. The old Joey was caught up in fear. Lord, I'm really scared right now. What should I do? Well, I haven't failed you yet, have I? No, Lord, you haven't. Step out in faith. Let's do it again. I'm really I'm scared to take a step again, Lord. Do it again. I'm here. I'm listening and focusing on the spirit, not on the situation. I'm focusing on the spirit over the situation. Do you understand? And so that secret sauce that we're doing is that we're going right back to it over and over. And you can say to yourself, isn't it interesting how Paul has to remind us this over and over? It's like Paul is kind of like a broken record on repeat through Galatians, through the book of Romans. And I would say this because no matter what we think of ourselves as Christians, we're making the same mistakes over and over and over until we get it right. You know what's crazy? The Lord never loses patience over it. How do you know? When's the last time you felt the chastisement of the Lord, you know, yanking you forward and going, not again? I would, I would tell you this, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Um, when you are not living for the Lord, we all kind of know it. When I'm not living for the Lord, you guys can tell. But I would tell you that, but behind the scenes, the Lord is working inside of you, and he never publicly dumps the things that you're working on, does he? Has the Lord ever stepped you away from a problem or from a sin? And aren't you glad that nobody here knows, but you know that you're glad the Lord worked it out? But can you imagine if we all knew? The thing is, is that behind the scenes, you were now letting the Lord take that and run with that and he did it in such a way that was gentle. We call it um, back in the youth room with like velvet gloves. You may know like ever seen anybody pull out the constitution and they handle that thing with those velvet like softy gloves. Is that not the Holy Spirit working inside of you right now in spite of what's going on, in spite of your, I, I'm, I'm hard to work with. I'm hard to work with the Holy Spirit. I, the Holy Spirit says go and I won't go. Does he yank you forward? Does he give you whiplash? Or does he gently just keep prodding and pushing and pressing in with mercy and grace and love? That's the focus. That's the secret sauce is the Lord is trying to show us, I'm pushing you to what you're alive to and not away from what you're dead to. I'm dead to sin. But that word too is so important. I'm alive to a relationship with the Holy Spirit. See, Paul goes back to that secret sauce. Look what he goes there. He condemns sin in the flesh by sending his own son in flesh like ours under sin's domain and as a sin offering. That's a beautiful thing. God did what we couldn't do. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins because we are really, really hard giving up our sins, right? And so what he had to do is he had to send his son to become like flesh. Look at that word. It's like flesh. It's not Jesus became sin in that moment, but he himself was not sinful, right? Because he was sinless, Jesus was able to pay our sin debt. You always ask yourself this question, why did Jesus have to be sin sinless? Because if he was sinful, who would take care of him? 
See, Jesus paid the price for our sin because we had a debt that we couldn't pay and he could. So that's why he hung from the cross and said, it is finished. The debt is paid. What did he pay with? His life so that you didn't have to. That's the ledger that has become wiped out to zero is he came to your life, loved you, saw you, took you right where you're at and your dirty, sinful state and says, this is the person that I choose to love from here to eternity and I start for dying for them right now so they can walk through my blood and have salvation and I will never leave their side. How does this play out? Look at verse four. This is for you and for me. In order that the law's requirement would be accomplished in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit reminds me, my debt has been paid in Jesus. First, I have no condemnation, and now I have no debt. That brings us to a point that you can write up there. See, we are fulfilled by this moment. Look, it says, in order that the law's requirement would be accomplished, let's just put it in other ways, that we would have success in us. How is it having success in us? but by the Spirit, right? And so the legalist would say, and this is the problem that he was dealing, is if you have a person that's a hardcore line person that's like, you know, it's like, I don't like the way they dress. You see how they dress? You heard how they prayed? You know, like that really hard kind of like, man, they're just not happy. Why? Because they're trying to achieve in of themselves. See, the legalist or the Pharisee that Jesus was fighting in his day or the person that's so caught up in their own holiness and their own righteousness are always wondering what they can do to get to heaven. But a person that's living by the Spirit is saying this, it's not what I did, it's what Jesus did that gets me to heaven. And when I say that, when I look at Jesus and I go, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done, I'm so excited for the freedom that I'm feeling. I'm so excited that I don't have condemnation. It makes me want to follow you all the more. All the more I want to run after you and be with you and just experience your life. Why? Because the power of sin has lost its grip on me. This, that, that law of sin, that power of sin is no longer dragging me this way. The power of grace and God is dragging me towards heaven and towards a deeper relationship with him. And that's why I can say that. You can see that person that's a Christian, no matter what's going on in their life, if they have the power of the Holy Spirit empowering them, they're all caught up in peace and joy and love, right, aren't they? And you look at them and go, how can you praise the Lord in the middle of the storm? How do you have that power? Well, because the things that sin would come and rob are no longer been robbed by sin anymore. God has driven that out. And what has he done? He has restored. He's coming in and he's becoming everything to that person. They need faith. Jesus Christ will be your faith. They need love. God is love. I need peace. Let Jesus Christ be the Prince of Peace in your life. I'm not looking for peace from the world or from the storm. I need the storm to go away so that I can have peace. And Jesus is standing on the waves going, why? Let's stand on the waves. Let's show the world what the life in the spirit can be. Jesus Christ's ministry took place the moment he got filled with the Holy Spirit. And then what did he do? Wonderful, working, miracle power flowed for him to show people not just his power, but his love for them. I left heaven empowered by the spirit to come here for you to show you a new way. And I want you to get caught up in it. And this enables us to live life according to the, the law of the Spirit, that, that magnetism to the Spirit. Why? Because we're no longer, we're not, we're not being dragged backwards by condemnation. We're not being dragged backwards by the debt that we owe. Let's look at this uh, verse on screen. I want you to see this life of Jesus filled with the Spirit. Matthew twenty two thirty six 36 through 40 says on the screen, 
teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So they're addressing Jesus, the rabbi, from the law. And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's relationship. Verse 38, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now look where the, dri- the driving force is. Jesus Christ's ministry took place when the spirit of life and love came upon him. And then what was his ministry known for? For the law or for love? Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I know you're a lawbreaker, but I want to spend time with you. I want to show you love. I want to express to you that you have not been living by the spirit, that you don't know what God has in store for you. So I want to come and show you that love by living with you. Mary, right? Mary Magdalene filled with all kinds of spirits and stuff like that. Mary, I want to spend time with you. I want to show you not chastisement for being a person that got caught up in bad stuff and then lived a bad life and then now you have spiritual oppression. No, I want to break the chains of oppression by what? By the spirit, but by living with you. I want to show you the world that is linked to a spirit of power and love. And just what the Lord is saying, step out in the spirit of Jesus Christ is to step out in the spirit of life and love. Look at verse five. For those who live according to the flesh, think about things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, about the things of the spirit. For the mindset of the flesh is death. But the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. I'm gonna just stop right there. Have you ever known a Christian who is just in constant turmoil? Their life is a jungled mess. I don't mean necessarily like their life around them mess. They're a mess. And you're like, I'm looking at you, and I know you're a Christian, but there's a whole lot of not freedom in your life. And that might even be you. It might even be me in this room right now. Why? Because my mind is not set on the spirit. My mind is set on the situation around me instead of the God of the situation. Look at verse 7. For the mindset, mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it, is not, it does not submit itself to God's law, for it is unable to do so. The scripture has just said, if we are in the flesh, then we are focused on pleasing ourselves. But when we are caught up in the spirit, we are focused on pleasing God. You know, sometimes people come in to church, and I'm guilty of it too. It's just semantics, it's just words. I know what we mean. But people come into church and go, can't wait to see what the Lord has for us today. And sometimes I wonder if we should go, I wonder what I should be bringing to the Lord today in his house of worship to give to him. I wonder what kind of church service the Lord wants. I wonder what kind of prayer the Lord wants. I wonder what kind of worship the Lord wants to come out of me versus what does he have for me today? Why? Because my mindset is off of me and onto him. I must decrease so that he can increase. So the Christian that is more interested in pleasing themselves will not be operating in victory. Why? Because they can't see what the Spirit is doing. They're blind to it. So this one is saying the mind is set to the flesh, is hostile to the spirit. Why? Because I'm hostile to the, to the peace that God is going to set for me. Because what if God says, I want you to go this way, but you don't want to. I want you to get rid of that person in your life because they're toxic to your life. I want you to get rid of that TV show. I want you to stop looking at that part of the internet. Well, I don't want to. Well, then you're not opening your eyes to where the Lord is taking you. And you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to empower you. Colossians 3.2 would say it this way. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Why? Because we're reaching higher than this world. We're reaching to heaven. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. Where are you putting your mind? On things of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, what kind of day do you want to have? So what happens if we do, uh, as Christians, not focus on the Spirit, but focus on the flesh? Look at verse 8. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, it just stops right there, right? It's can't, God can't be any more plain than that. You know, this is God pointing out the contrast of life and the Spirit, and I'll put it in perspective for you in this particular way. Um, this is where it's fascinating. You know, one time I was uh, I went up to North Carolina, and it was snowing. And I just remember my uh, family was like, Joey, you need to wash that shirt. And I'm like, this shirt is great. What are you talking about? I've been wearing it all week. I was 14 years old. You know how it is. And you're like, oh, this is the greatest shirt. It fits great. It looks cool. I look cool in it. And they're like, you need to wash that shirt. And I'm like, it's still white. I walked out into the snow. That was not a white shirt. Why? Because in contrast to actual white, this was not a white shirt. But you yourself will never see the contrast in your life until you hold it up to the standard. And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. Stop trying to compare yourself to other people in this room. Well, their life's a wreck, so I must be doing good. And the Holy Spirit goes, no, compare yourself to Jesus Christ. And then when you're doing that, you now go, oh, wait a minute. That's the measuring part. You know, when we talk about when the, when the, uh, the, the people went out on ships in the ocean and they didn't have Google? Or they didn't have satellites or maps or anything. What do they go? They marked themselves to the North Star. Your North Star is Jesus Christ. And that's how we are guiding our life. And that's what he's saying. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God because they're not focused on their North Star. Look at verse 9. You, whoever that are not in the flesh, talking to Calvary Chapel Sebastian, he's saying, but in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God lives in you. Now look at these conditional takes right here. But if anyone does not have the spirit of, of Christ, he does not belong to him. That's a heavy verse. Look at the next part. If the spirit of Jesus Christ is not living in you, then you are not a child of God. Point blank. The Holy Spirit is what makes you born again. Spending time with the Holy Spirit, having him renew your mind, having him renew your life, having him redeem and restore the parts where sin has ravaged and destroyed your life by giving it over to him, right? I, Jesus Christ, I just sinned. What should I do? That's me taking it to him. That's me taking it to the cross. That's me taking ownership and going, I'm in this relationship with you, Jesus, and you said you would leave me, so lead me by your spirit. What should I do? I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed. I just want to work on it with you because you said you already took the shame and guilt on the cross. I believe you. Now what? Guide me. Show me. Lead me. I trust you. Billy Graham says it this way. It's like, uh, just because you say you go to church, doesn't make you a Christian. It's like, just because you live in a garage doesn't make you a car, right? You have to actually be the part. You have to actually live the part. And what is a Christian without the power of the Holy Spirit? In fact, it's saying right here, this is a person, uh, this is a person that is living by focusing on themselves. And we call that carnal Christians. That's a fleshly Christian. They are a person that doesn't live by the Spirit. But if you've been saved by the Spirit and then renewed by the Spirit, why wouldn't you continue in the Spirit? Now, does that mean that we don't stumble? No, we make mistakes, right? We can absolutely stumble, right? And welcome to the club if you have. But we are redeemed by going back to Jesus Christ. And why do we go back to Jesus Christ? Because I love him and he loves me. And this is the plan that God was working through Jesus Christ, even in the Old Testament. I want you to look at Jeremiah 31. 
We're going to go through verses 31 through 33. This is, you can see, even in the Old Testament, God was on the same plan. Look at this, verse 31. It says, the days are coming, coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Remember that word covenant is like a marriage pact. When I make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah, and it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and let them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. Now look at verse 33. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. I want you to hear what he's saying. Remember he said, I was like a husband to them. He's making a marriage pact with his church today, and he has specifically said this, I'm in it for the long haul. One spirit united with you, for better or for worse, right? Till death do us part. This is what he's saying right here. He is saying to the people right now, the Holy Spirit is going to come inside of you and live in you, and that is what will drive you because you will know that you and I are one. So you cannot run away from a God who has joined himself to you. It's silly. Don't make that mistake. So that brings us to our next point. The Holy Spirit that lives in me guides me from the inside out. Remember when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, he brought two stone tablets, right? And he said, this is the law that God wrote with his own finger on here. And then what did he do? I mean, it was like, hey, guys, God got the, what in the world? There's a golden calf. I mean, he had that thing for 10 seconds, right? And he's like, you guys already ruined it. And he smashed that thing in the ground. And then he'd go back up the mountain and get another one. Why? Because that's what people that follow the Lord do. We fail. 10 seconds after we told the Lord, we're not going to fail. You ever pray this prayer? I'm so ashamed of these prayers that I prayed. And forgive me if you're praying this prayer right now. When I've said this to the Lord, if you just do this, I'll do this. And then I don't hold up my end of the bargain. 10 seconds later, I break it and he still holds up his end of the bargain. And I go, but we both know that you were solid and I was not, right? You know, like I just got to make that confession to the Lord. But I'm saying to the Lord, right now, I cannot uphold the law. And the Lord said, absolutely, because the law is cold like stone. It has no investment in you. It's just like a meter for you to guide yourself and go, I am not in a good situation because I have not accomplished one through nine. You know, I can't, I'm this bad. I didn't even do 10 of these. I'm 10 out of 10 not doing these, right? But see, the law is external and, it's, and it shows you where you're broken, but it comes from the outside with a coldness. But the Lord says, I'm gonna do a new thing. I'm gonna put a new law that's going to be pumping through your blood, through your veins, through your body, by your heartbeat, because we love each other. I'm going to come live with you. I'm going to join with you. I'm going to make a marriage pact. You and I are one. And you know what? Just think about this. Sin originates in the heart. All sin, remember we went through the hell teaching? Eve, Eve was not, sin didn't come to Eve. Eve sinned. Eve made a sin. She came out of her heart. Where does Jesus Christ come to live? In your heart. Why? So he can roll up his sleeves and do the good work that you cannot. That is the husband that is so in love with his church that he's willing to come and meet us at our darkest, deepest, like most rebellious place and go, I'll meet you here and redeem you here. God still wants his law to be met, but look where how he does it. By turning your body into a living temple. So we could look at ourselves and we could look at our flesh and go, man, I am such a failure. And he goes, 
What you're looking at is the future temple of Jesus Christ. Can you see it? Well, if you look with your fleshly eyes, you won't be able to. But if you look with the eyes of the Holy Spirit, you will. See, this is how it works. This is us as the sinner. As the lawgiver comes and lives in our heart to produce the law in our heart, this is what happens. He meets us in our sin. He convicts us in our sin. There's no condemnation, but he convicts us. We run away from our sin, but what do we do? We run closer to and jump in his arms. We begin to listen to his direction. We begin to obey him out of love. And then what comes out of us? Obedience to the law. And it all came by living in love with the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 10. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit of life because of righteousness. And the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. And this is a very powerful word for someone who is struggling with sin right now. Christ has just declared to you as he has made his residence by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to change your life. He comes and he lands in your sinful heart and says, this is where I'm going to open up shop. This is where I'm going to do all my work. He says the same power that raised Christ from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit is going to raise your spirit from spiritual death. How powerful must it have been to raise Jesus Christ from the dead? Have you just thought about what kind of power that was? I mean, just, just sit and think about it. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He became a curse. He became a sin. He was put in the tomb. He went down into the grave, right? He preached a sermon to all the people that lived in the Old Testament. And then he said, all right, guys, it's been three days. It's time for me to go back. But you're dead. But the power of the Holy Spirit is going to resurrect me because the Holy Spirit promised me. And here we go. Just think about that power now coursing through you. And not because you deserve it, not because you've earned it, but because God has rolled up his sleeves and said, I love you so much, I don't want to leave you the way that you are. And so I'm going to do what only you can do. And just think about this, what he's kind of also talking about as we wrestle in our flesh and we think that we're losing. No, we are not losing. It's a good spot to be in the wrestle. If you were not in the wrestle, you'd be in the giving up, Right? I give my body up to sin. No, I'm wrestling with sin because the power of the Holy Spirit is, is the, that power of magnetism against gravity, right? And he's pulling us that way. We're pushing away from sin and we're pushing to Jesus Christ, right? That's a good place to wrestle. If you're in that space tonight, be glad that the Lord is dragging you away. But the work is not done. But understand this, that that power that God raised Christ from the dead is the power that will overcome your sin will overcome your sin. Just think about this. I'm a person, I'm dealing with sin, you're dealing with sin. But I'm clinging to the Spirit. Do you know how I cling to the Spirit? Every time I make a boo-boo, what's the first thing I do? No, Jesus, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Immediately. And then I know this, I have confidence in this, that the same power that raised Christ from the dead has now just pushed me away from that sin. My dead body is giving away to the submission to a living spirit that is alive in the Holy Spirit. And I want to let you know why this is so important in the scripture. One day we will be living in the presence of God. And so we'd have mortal bodies now, but our bodies will be renewed, right? And we will have glorious bodies that are set up for eternity. But do you realize that right now that the same spirit that is being made alive by the power of the Holy Spirit is the spirit that's going to live in that glorious body? So we are living for eternity right now. 
that, that renew, that restore, that redemption that you're feeling in your spirit. And like, I am alive. I am alive by the spirit. I am struggling with sin, but I feel this, I feel this surge in the Holy Spirit. I feel this empowerment. I'm living and making choices. I don't have those old impulses anymore. That's all coming because that same spirit that's going to be dropped into the glorious new body is living now. So you are living the life that you're going to live in the spirit now. So it makes sense that we prepare our hearts by going, you know what? This erroneous, junk-filled sin life now, I can let it go. Because this spirit is going to be moving to a new vessel and these sinful impulses are being going away. So you know what? I don't need you. I don't need you. That's why he goes in verse 12. So then, brothers, we who are not obligated to the flesh, amen, right? Live according to the flesh, right? No. So we are debtors, right? But we no longer are debtors to the flesh. Who do we owe? We owe Jesus Christ. Wouldn't you rather owe Jesus Christ more than your flesh? So it says that we are not obligated to the flesh. Why? Because we owe everything to the spirit. Now, look at these three conditional situations that come up right here. Three ifs, right? Verse 13, because we owe Jesus everything. For if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. I love when the Bible's like that. You will die. That's if, if you live by the flesh. But look at the next part. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. How will I live? By the Spirit, by the Spirit, by the Spirit. How will you walk from here to eternity? By the power of the Holy Spirit, which brings us to our next point. The Spirit empowers me to step away from sin and run to God. I always think about Whenever I'm struggling in sin, I always think about Joseph, right? And he was captured and taken down, you know, sold by his brothers to Potiphar's house. And then Potiphar's wife was probably a, a trophy wife. He was, Egyptian records say that he was actually a really good-looking guy. It's actually recorded in history. And so Potiphar was a eunuch, so he probably couldn't even have sex. And so here's this beautiful woman coming and said, my husband can have sex. You and I are gorgeous. Let's have sex. And what did Joseph do? He ran, but he didn't just run from sin. Who did he run to? God. Powered by the Holy Spirit. I think about that all the time, but I think about this. If we could always run away from sin, we would, but we don't, which is why the Lord comes in and says, I'll do what you can't. Isn't that a great word from the Lord to say instead of going, hey, you fruit loop, why are you keep sinning? Why are you doing this? No, he goes, no, no, you can't, I will. Just think about this. Christ became your sin and your sin has been crucified on the cross and Christ has taken away your condemnation. And the Holy Spirit comes in your heart and then says this, by the way, condemnation already been taken care of. Your debt already been taken, away, taken care of. I'm here now daily to serve you in this particular way. I'm gonna take away your compulsion to sin. I'm going to take your compulsion away to sin because I want to move you into the spirit of life that you are living in forever. The spirit that is operating in you is the same spirit that's going to operate within you in eternity. We are living for eternity right now. You know what's the difference between the rest of the world and the people in this room that have accepted Jesus Christ? We have eternity in our hearts. The same sinful people, we've just received eternity. Which brings us down to verse 14. Look what it says. All those led by God's spirit are God's son. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, right? You've been living by the spirit and now you're free. But you've received the spirit of adoption by we who cry out, Abba, Father. Which is just to remind you that he, you're saying to the Lord, Dad, Father. 
This is the Spirit reminding us that I have an intimate relationship with God. So not only am I free from condemnation, I'm free from the debt. God empowers me to run away from sin. God also reminds me, we're living in intimacy together. I know everything about you. There's not a new thing that you can reveal to me that makes me go, oh my gosh, I wish I would have known that before I made a covenant with you. What a day that would be if God said that. Really? Covenant broken, out. You'd be like, oh, geez. But the Lord never says that. In fact, he says the other thing. What does he say here? He says, Abba, Father. That's what you cry out to me. You call me Dad, God. Dad, Father. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says it this way. It says, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Do you know that God united with Jesus Christ, the man, by spirit? What an incredible honor to be united to God by spirit. And God has said to you right now, you don't live in fear because you are united in spirit with us. We're not afraid of God to be like a taskmaster. He's our God. He's our dad. He's our spiritual father. We are family. You don't fear family the way you fear a judge, do you? You talk to your dad a little bit different than you talk to some foreign judge that you've just met for the first time. This is the Lord saying, I love my God. He's saying, this is how you're speaking to me. I love my God because he's my dad. And I know that I have my dad, I have everything. So when the spirit gets a hold of our hearts, we are uniting with God, not only in covenant, but intimate relationship. What happens? Verse 16. Then the spirit himself testifies together with our spirit. Oh, amen, right? Two spirits together that we are God's children. And if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Oh, my Lord. If Jesus Christ is the prince to the king of heaven, what kind of inheritance is he going to get? I mean, what kind, when the king of the world, the king of the universe, gives out an inheritance to his son, how massive would that inheritance be? The Bible talks about it being everything. Can you imagine then the Lord saying, hey, guys, by the way, I put you in the will. You're co-heirs. Look at that, seeing that we suffer with him so that we also may be glorified in him. So if you are in this room and you are suffering under the tension of wrestling with your sin, guess what? You're also gonna, on the other end, receive the glory that God gives you by way of adoption. Why? Because I call God dad. We're in an intimate relationship and he calls you daughter or son. And then what does he do? He makes us poor, sinful orphans, rich children of God. Why? Because God's love is luxurious. And he holds none of it back. And the only way that we can open up our eyes to that is if we receive it from him by the way of the spirit. Otherwise, I'm living for myself and I'm blind to it. And the Lord says, no, 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 open up your eyes. I'm about to do something big in your life. And so um, I'm gonna put up this last slide and we're gonna close. And I wanna challenge you today to, so you can see what living by the spirit will produce a result in you that you know that you're a child of God. And I want you to read this with me. And if you have one of these, then guess what? You're in a great spot. How do I know if I have the Holy Spirit living in me? How do I know if I'm on track? Look at this. I know my God. Doesn't mean you know everything about him. You know, there's angels that fly around God daily. And every time they orbit him, they cry out, holy, 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 because they've learned something new. And they've been doing that since infinity. So isn't it make sense that we would learn something new about the Lord? But do you know God by who he says he is? Do you know him by his love? Then guess what? Then you have the Holy Spirit revealing that to you. If you're learning something new about God every day, 
or more and more every day, then you have the Holy Spirit. Uh, you have the Holy Spirit living in you if you put your faith in Jesus Christ and call him Savior. Otherwise, you have no reason to do that. If the Holy Spirit isn't revealing your need to call him your Savior, then guess what? Then you don't have the Holy Spirit. But if the Holy Spirit is revealing to you, I need a Savior, and Jesus Christ is that Savior, then the Holy Spirit has done that good work inside of you. How about this? I say no to sin. Now, I'm not talking about perfection. I might stumble. I might fall. But have you, since the time that the Lord is taking hold of your heart, have you gotten rid of sins in your life? Maybe one by one. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, one degree of glory to the next, right? There's things that I deal with today. Guess what? I mean, that I don't deal with today that the Lord removed from my life. And I have the Holy Spirit to thank for that. If you have a desire to please God, from the scriptures we just read, the Holy Spirit is living and working in you. And the last two are says, I hear God leading me through the word. Has God spoken to you today through his word? That's the Holy Spirit. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, but what has been revealed to you by the Spirit. Now look at this last one. My progress makes me more and more like Jesus every day. Who looks more like Jesus today than when you first met him? May not be, you may not have crossed the finish line, but who looks more like Jesus today than when Jesus first found you? Am I the only one? Do we need to do more work in this room? Thank you. Praise you. Yes, thank you. Um, the Lord is doing a good work in this church, and he's doing a good work in us. And he's done a good work in this night, because I want to let you know I'm preaching this word, but the word is churning things up in me. And that's because the Holy Spirit is good and he is not going to come into my life and just go, you're fine, you're okay. And no, no, there's some things we got to kick out, we got to remove. But you know why the Holy Spirit does it? Because it's the spirit of life and he's a spirit of love and he doesn't want to see me stuck in spiritual death. So we're going to bow our heads and we're going to pray, but I just want to challenge you. If you need to give something to God tonight, give it to him. Don't hesitate. You just already heard the Holy Spirit's already there doing the work in the dark parts of your heart. He's already, he's already loving you. He's already seen it. He's not ashamed. Shame has already been born on the cross. But right now is our time to be real with the God who's been real with us. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you that you are producing a good result in me. And that's a life through the Spirit. I've been made alive. I was once a poor orphan, lost in my sin, but you have made me rich in the love of God. I have everything I need in you. Continue your good work in me. Release me from the bondages of sin. Make me free. Empower me to run to you when I sin. Empower me to turn to you when I'm tempted. Empower me to just not look like the world, to not look like spiritual death, but to look like you in love with God. I desire to please you, but sometimes I don't know how to. Fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. I trust you in all things and I trust you in this and I give my heart to you and I say by the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I am a child of God and your work will be completed now through eternity in me. I give my heart to you. I give my sin to you. I give my life to you. I give everything to you. It belongs to you and I can't wait to see what you're about to do with it. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. amen.